I honestly was very scared of the plane ride itself and and just getting COVID on the plane ride. Well, reinfection was a bit of a fear. Exactly, reinfection. Okay. Yeah, because I can't control. You know, otherwise I I do socialize a little bit, but I'm very careful about who I spend time with, what the what the interaction looks like. You know, masks and that type of thing. Uh, so mm-hmm. on a plane, though, I cannot control if anybody hops on that plane yeah. sick, that type of thing. Even if people wear, you don't have to wear masks on the plane now. Welcome to The Long Haulers, the official podcast of the post-COVID support community, where members connect with experts and other long haulers to learn how to heal from the effects of post-COVID. Here's your host, Munish Joshi. Welcome back, everybody. I'm here with Ash Dobbin Mohammed, um, who's our medical director here at RT Medical. And uh, today we've got a very interesting topic. It's really about how do you travel as a long hauler? There's got to be more challenges to it. And we have firsthand knowledge and some great tips because Ash recently uh, took took a break and uh, and went out and did some things. So Ash, where did you go? Yeah. Hey, Manish. Thanks for having me on again. Uh, so actually, I went to Japan. Uh, so I mm-hmm. live in uh, Toronto, Canada, and traveled to Japan, which is almost on the, the other side of the world from where uh, from where I typically live. Uh, so it was quite a uh, far trip. Yeah, it was great. And it's not a two-hour flight, because I think for some people, you know, even if you get on a car ride for an hour or two here and there, you can tolerate that. You take a break here and there, you can pull over. But a plane ride's not like that at all. So how long was the flight for you? And and, and I'll, I'll ask you a bunch of questions about that. Yeah, sure. Yeah. So the uh, plane ride uh, to from Toronto to Tokyo was mm-hmm. uh, 14 hours. And wow. the plane ride back was 12. So we're going with the wind or, mm-hmm. or something. So it was a bit of a quicker flight back, uh, but quite mm-hmm. long. Yeah. And can I ask, leading up to the the whole trip and that, um, how did you feel? Were you excited? Were you nervous? Were you anxious? What was going through your mind? Because that's one of those things that people say, I would go on a trip, but... Yeah, yeah. So honestly, I was terrified. Um, Mm -hmm. I, I was, you know... Being realistic, you know, being a long hauler and being mm-hmm. a healthcare provider, you know, is a unique uh, crux of the two, um, of the two. And uh, so I, I, I'm quite realistic in, you know, what I'm able to do, what I'm not able to do, I, I think, mm-hmm. um, in part due to that. Uh, so I was honestly, I was terrified. I was scared that I was going to regress a lot. I had the expectation that, you know, I mean, I have a hard time. Um, I have family in Ottawa, so that's about a four-hour drive for us. And I have a hard time with that drive. That's um, a long drive for me. So just being in the car, not me driving, uh, but being a passenger mm-hmm. in the car, I have a hard time with that drive. So um, a 14-hour flight is very intimidating. And, you know, being outside of my typical environment uh, was very mm-hmm. scary. And um, I kind of went into it you know, understanding that this was going to be a different type of travel than what I Mm -hmm. had been previously used to. Uh, But I mean, also, you know, worried um, that I probably would regress and and just accepted that, you know what, it it might be worth the regression. I'm going to go have a good time, um, Mm -hmm. try to stay within my capacity. But if I regress, then I regress. Um, But actually, I did better there, and I've done better Mm -hmm. since coming back, um, which is pretty interesting. Yeah. You know that there's some interesting research around um, athletes and even people who do take breaks and plan vacations uh, who have chronic illnesses. 
Um, but but I have some really, I'm a little curious about one thing. For our car ride, you can stop, take breaks. And how do you manage? And were you anxious? Was it anxiety? Was it fear um, about the stops? Was there, was there techniques you use in a car ride that you can't use on a plane? Or are there techniques that you can use on a plane that won't apply to a car ride? Yeah, uh, that's a good question. So I think with a car ride, uh, we also have mm -hmm. two dogs. So we do have to stop for them as well, uh, partway on the okay. drive. And um, so, so, you know, I'm used to kind of getting out, moving around a little bit, doing a bit of stretching. Um, mm -hmm. my, a lot of my muscle <laughs> pain has, has, you know, resolved over, over the last, you know, couple years, year, couple years. Um, mm -hmm. But I, I do still have a fair amount, you know, just getting out, moving around helps, um, you know, taking some deep breaths, just a little bit of a change of scenery. Um, but on a plane, okay. yeah. Sorry, yeah, no. that, so you that's do that on, like on a ride. car ride. Yeah. Okay. Right. Got yes, you got it. And on a plane though, I mean, you can't mm -hmm. leave the plane. You can't exit the plane whenever you feel like it. Um, you know, the seats are passengers. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. I don't, I don't think other people would be happy with me, pilot included. Yeah. Um, so the plane is different, right? There's other people mm -hmm. around you, um, especially as a long hauler. Honestly, I, I'm, I'm not somebody who has anxiety at baseline, um, but mm -hmm. I've certainly developed some as a result mm -hmm. of being a long hauler and, and, um, acquiring this very debilitating chronic disease as a result of a COVID mm -hmm. infection. Um, so I honestly was very scared of the plane ride itself and, and just, you know, getting COVID on the plane ride. Mm -hmm. Um, you know, we we're in a, Oh, reinfection was a bit of a fear. Exactly. Reinfection. Okay. Yeah, because I can't control, you know, otherwise I, I do socialize a little bit. Um mm -hmm. and I I do, you know, um, but I'm very careful about who I spend time with, what the what the interaction looks like, you know, masks and that type of thing. Uh so mm -hmm. on a plane though, I cannot control if anybody hops on that plane yeah. sick. Um that type of thing. Even if people wear, you don't have to wear masks on the plane now. Yeah. Um, and I was going to ask you about that. Just out of curiosity, I've been on a flight uh, post COVID and I've been on a flight when uh, COVID, the travel restrictions just, just opened up. Everyone was mandated to wear a mask. And I saw that. And then mm -hmm. I've been on a flight where it wasn't mandated. So, um, but just out of curiosity, how many people on a plane, especially an international flight, were wearing a mask? I would have to say most of them, to be honest. Um, I, I would say, I would say, well, no, probably. So everybody, almost everyone was wearing it entering because I think it's mandatory mm -hmm. to wear them in, in Canadian airports, um, I think. Mm -hmm. uh, however, when we got on the plane and once we were in the air, I would say, you know, 80% of people remove their masks. And, wow. and I mean, okay. I understand from their perspective, yeah. you know, they, they don't have mm -hmm. this, you know, trauma from being infected yeah. with COVID and, you know, it's hard to wear a mask for 14 hours. It's hard enough to sit on a plane for 14 hours, let alone wear a mask. Um, mm -hmm. so I understand where they're coming from. Uh, and you know, it did give me quite a bit of anxiety, but thankfully I did not get any type of cough, cold, flu, nothing from either uh, plane ride. Yes. I got, I got to tell you, I enjoy the mask for a different reason. I traveled a lot at one point and I often found when you change from one climate to another, you tend to get a bit of a tickle in the throat and it led to a cough and that and you're looking at all this recycled air in the plane. I actually yeah. like the mask for the fact that I can do it. And, and, you know, in the medical side, I've always felt like when the mask felt damp through my, my face, 
felt moist, it's time to change the mask. Do you have any guidance on that? Just because I know some of us will use a reusable mask or um, a washable mask or, or disposable. What is the right thing mm-hmm. to do? Oh, that's a loaded question. I don't know. I don't know if I know the right <laughs> answer. So at the beginning of the <laughs> pandemic, it was just wear your mask until it falls apart or wash them, the yeah. medical masks. <laughs> um, okay. I think technically, you know, in an OR or whatever, I think masks are technically good for 30 minutes. Uh, if I can kind of remember Is back it- to the days where I was doing you know, more frontline. Yeah. Yeah. I think they're, they're technically good for 30 minutes from a, Mm -hmm. you know, uh, from the kind of efficiency, best, best practice Mm -hmm. perspective. Um, that being said, I kind of follow the same rule of thumb that you do. I generally, Mm -hmm. um, try not to waste too much, but balance waste Mm -hmm. with, with, um, you know, an effective mask. So, you know, same thing. If it gets moist on the inside, I'll I'll change it. Or, um, you know, if I've used it for a couple of days, I'll get a fresh one. Yeah, that's exactly what I do. Um, so just out of curiosity, uh, on the plane, um, where, how you know, I know I personally and I, my wife is just a terrible flyer. She has time to think. So she thinks about her mind just wanders into the wrong spots. She'll watch a movie and then, you know, if the, if the light changes around or she gets turbulent, then she just starts to grab, grab seats. Are you that kind of traveler? And if you have any anxieties during this, that's a long flight. What do you do to kind of take your mind off the flight and enjoy the journey? Yeah. Yeah. So that's a, that's a great way to phrase that, you know, to enjoy the journey. Um, and I think that Mm -hmm. can be pulled into the greater, you know, I mean, having long COVID is very challenging. Um, but there, but it's important, you yeah. know, to enjoy parts of it, right? Because um, it's a long time to get to that destination of recovery, and and some people, you know, don't get there. So, um, yeah. So I, I'm actually not a bad flyer. I've I've flown a lot. I, I actually enjoy flying, mm-hmm. uh, for the most part. Not a 14 hour flight. That's not my my preference. Um, but typically, mm-hmm. what I do is I I actually I get an aisle seat because. Um, I like to get up every couple hours and stretch. Um, I had this whole routine, especially with the with the time change. So for me, it was a 14-hour uh, time change. Japan uh, is 14 hours ahead of, of my time zone. So mm-hmm. um, I had this whole routine planned where I got on the plane. You know, we had a bite to eat, followed that kind of their typical service. And then um, I actually took melatonin. Um, I got up, kind of washed my face, mm-hmm. brushed my teeth got ready for, for bed. So to say, took melatonin, um, to try to help myself sleep. Um, and then made myself wake up by a specific time, you know, so I was able to adjust to the time zones, not, um, without too much challenge. Yeah. It was moderately successful. I've got two questions for you. Sure. Moderately successful. Okay. So two (laughs) questions. Number one, uh, were you, was it more difficult to sleep on a a plane now that you have uh, long COVID? I'm not sure if you did that before. Um, and then secondly, how did the time zone affect you? Yeah. So it was a lot more difficult to sleep on the plane. So I, since I've had long COVID, I've, I've had a really difficult time sleeping. I've done a lot of different strategies Mm -hmm. and it's, it's improved quite a bit with the strategies, but um, mm-hmm. I'm still very much dependent on melatonin right now, uh, and, and, and still have to work pretty hard to get a good quality sleep and, um, mm-hmm. not having enough sleep impacts me much more dramatically than, uh, it would have before long COVID. So, um, you know, not getting that sleep and missing out on that sleep, um, you know, I, I will feel it for days, days and days, um, 
you know, and sometimes weeks uh, if I miss out on, you know, a couple nights of good sleep or even just one. So um, it was, it was much more challenging and, and I'm more sore, like I'm sore now. So I find just even, you know, uh, being a, a little bit confined um, uh, makes it a little bit difficult to sleep, you know, probably a little bit more baseline anxiety with, with, you know, acquiring COVID on the flight. Uh, so that mm -hmm. added to it. Uh, so I was able to sleep, I think one hour on the way there and maybe three hours on the way back. Um, so not very wow. much, but, but I got a little nap in. Yeah. Did you travel overnight or was it during the day? Was it something uh, like if you're, if you're traveling during the day, it's harder to force yourself to sleep because it's just not in your routine. Yeah, exactly. So I think I, I left, I flew out around, uh, 1 PM, um, uh, in my oh, current okay. time zone and then landed at, uh, maybe around 530 PM, um, mm -hmm. Japan time. And then on the way, uh, back home, uh, we actually flew into the it, it, back in time. <laughs> so it was the 12 hour mm -hmm. flight back and we left at 6 PM in the evening and landed at 4 30 PM the same day. Um, Gosh. <laughs> that's always weird yeah. to figure out. Yeah. Yeah. So I had a yeah. really long day that the day. Um, but to answer your, your second question, the time zone change, actually it didn't bother me too much on the way there. Um, mm -hmm. but the way back, it took me, I think it took me three plus weeks. I don't know if I've actually fully, fully wow. adjusted. Yeah. Yeah. It's taken yeah. some time. I always heard in the rule of thumb that I used and, and I felt it kind of worked was that if you're for every hour of difference from your local time zone, that's how many days it takes to adjust. So, and that's typically what they said for the non-long hour. So if you're going to the, the West coast from the East coast is a three hour difference. So three days later, your, your body kind of. Uh, adjust to the to the rhythm that's there. Um, now, okay. uh, so what was the highlight for you on the on traveling here? And you know, we we're talking about the plane ride, but once you're there, and Japan's big with subways and trains, and and even with the auto side, how was the other forms of transportation for you in a foreign land? Yeah. So so as a long hauler, it was. Actually, uh, Japan, I would highly suggest uh, travel to Japan if you're able, you know, to do it uh, for other long haulers mm -hmm. because they have a lot of uh, COVID restrictions uh, in place still. So they're fully uh, open yes. society. So they, they actually didn't allow travel up until I think September of last year. Um, that That's when they opened okay. back up to international travel and visiting. Um, mm -hmm. So they still have a lot of like mandatory, like mask mandates. Um, mm -hmm. and so everyone indoors wears masks. Uh, so if you go to the mall or wherever, you know, everyone's masked up and, and actually a lot of people wear masks just on the street. It's a more of a yeah. mask friendly society, uh, which is nice. It's, it's mm -hmm. very comforting. Um, and then even when you're, when you're in a restaurant or you're dining, um, you know, we were, I was in a, a bigger group. So we, a group of four of us, uh, for, for half the trip. And then it was just my husband and I for the second half. So, um, we would actually mm -hmm. end up getting booths. So we were in, you know, a booth to ourselves, which is really neat. And there was a nice. door closed or if it was a bit more okay. of an open. Yeah. Yeah. And so if it was a bit mm -hmm. more of an open, uh, you know, restaurant, um, or place to eat, then, then there is the, um, plastic dividers, whatever that's called, the plexiglass, 
uh, divider. Oh, so cool. it, it's really set up so that, you know, you can socialize and even whoever mm-hmm. you're eating with, say you're meeting a friend or whoever, you know, there it's mm-hmm. set up so that you actually are able to meet up with that person without, you know, possibly uh, getting sick from them, uh, which is really neat. I think it's quite interesting because I, I know for some people, they feel less anxious because it just feels like there's less chance of a reinfection, which mm-hmm. is a big fear and concern for a lot of long haulers. Um, and there's a place actually here that's a little bit more local. It's still an hour away from where I am, but they actually have those domes, those outdoor domes inside as part of their restaurant. They've never taken them down and it's now a feature for them. So people come there and I was really shocked at seeing how many elderly people like to dine there because they love that cleaner isolated bubble. And it's literally a bubble. It's quite neat. Um, that is really neat. Some- yeah. Yeah, I think a lot of yeah. long haulers would like that too, or or people who are at high risk for severe infection or or yeah. And like I said, I, I've seen a, a few people with oxygen tanks and stuff going through there, and uh, um, and uh, and I've usually seen grandparents with their families in there, and it just made them feel a little more comfortable, more relaxed. Um, you mentioned something else which I want to go back to. How do you, stretching is an important part of uh, of making sure that your body's well positioned for that long haul flight or right. On the plane ride, how did you stretch? And you probably needed to stretch multiple times. And the aisle seat's a good strategy because you, you're not disrupting people if you need more stretches. But was it easy? Was it comfortable? Um, what what types of stretches did you do? Was there anything that was more helpful? Yeah, yeah. So I I got up um, and I kind of went to, yeah, the I, I kind of was on the aisle. So it was not, like you said, not disrupting anybody. So I actually went to either the washroom, um, sometimes just in the aisle, Mm -hmm. if I had enough room, I would do some little stretches, but nothing too dramatic. I don't want to impact the Mm -hmm. people around me. Uh, So I would go up when the flight attendants weren't um, busy doing their thing, I would kind of go in that space and uh, do some, you know, bigger stretches, you know, bigger arm stretches, uh, bend over, do some like leg stretches, stretch yeah. my legs out. Yeah. Um, when they're, when they're not in that space or, or I went to the washroom a couple times because things were a bit busier and I was feeling pretty stiff. Uh, so I did, uh, you know, a little bit of movement in there, not, not much space, but, yeah. uh, made it work. Yeah. I'll, I'll tell you a funny little side story there. I was, uh, I've seen it on planes many times where, and especially on the longer flights, um, I went overseas and, and I saw this there, um, three people lined up for the restroom. They, there's where the, where the bathroom is by where the attendants are, the flight attendants are, um, there's enough space to kind of bend right over and stretch your legs and, and stretch down to your head, down to your ankles. And that's what this one person was doing. And then the bathroom door opened and clocked the person in the face, uh, but oh. the back of the head because they're bent over and, <laughs> And there's two aisles that were looking at this. So we tried not to laugh, but I was like, oh, that's pretty funny. I, just one of those things. If you're going to do it, do it right. Do it safe. You got to do it safe. And then, yeah. Yeah. And then the person after me or the, the next person in the lineup there was stretching their legs out on, on the cart that those that was there so people do all this stuff it's not unusual it's just finding the space to do it that's right yeah yeah and we're in a way that you're um maybe not impacting people quite so much now i know that you and other long haulers suffer from food intolerance so it's hard to get a menu of items or access to a menu that helps you especially if you're on a low histamine diet which is what we find for a lot of long haulers being very effective for them so um how what was how was planning for meals or getting meals or access to food and nutrition, how was that affected by the travel and what strategies did you use to help counteract any foreseen challenges? 
Yeah, great question. Uh, so I, I have three major food intolerances, um, being mm -hmm. uh, soy uh, and, and soy products, really? dairy, and yeah, yes, and, and dairy and gluten, which, uh, and the gluten is a new one uh, post COVID before, um, or, or this round of COVID at least. Um, I've, mm -hmm. I've kind of developed worsening soy and dairy intolerances, uh, over, over the last few years, uh, dare and, and gluten mm -hmm. was new to this recent long COVID, um, recent being, you know, over a year ago. And, um, mm -hmm. anyway, so, oh my God, in Japan having a soy and it's a severe intolerance. That's... It's, it's almost an allergy. Okay. <laughs> and so yeah. it was tough and, uh, it was, you know, really foreshadowing uh when i was speaking with the um flight attendant and i mm -hmm. she kind of gave me a meal and and i think it was a lack of you know thinking ahead a little bit and i hadn't brought mm -hmm. food with me on the plane on the way there i brought a couple snacks but not a meal mm -hmm. and so i asked her what was in the meal and she said you know i'm you know i'm not sure i think it's this and this and she said why what can't you eat so i explained i told her i'm like well Soy is the biggest one, but also dairy and gluten. And she said, oh, my God, you're going to Japan and you're allergic to soy. Like, you're screwed. Yeah. <laughs> and yeah. I, I I knew it was going to be hard, but it, honestly, it was harder than I expected. Um, so I, I had actually one of my my friends. Um, I'm not fluent in Japanese, uh, but my friend is, yeah. thankfully. So she she actually made a card for me. Uh, with the the three major intolerances. So I do follow the low histamine um, diet mm -hmm. or nutrition. Um, but that, that is a little bit more negotiable, um, than my food intolerances. So for so, me, but what, yeah. yeah. So what you did with what was on that card and, and how did so, you use the card? Yeah. So she wrote out in Japanese on one side and then in English on the other side, she did a great job of it. She even put some photos on mm -hmm. it. She laminated it so I could take it everywhere with me, uh, and, and pass it to people. And, um, you know, it, it stood up the, the trip. Uh, so then I would, was able to explain in their, you know, language, um, what, mm -hmm. what was going on. So, you know, kind of remove that language barrier, um, and, and to kind of help promote safety that way. I ate a lot of rice, um, and, uh, a lot of just plain rice and, you know, I, I kind of, the first, you know, maybe two or three days when we realized, okay, this is actually a bigger deal than I had anticipated it would be. Mm -hmm. Um, then, you know, I was a bit stressed out and then I kind of decided on day two or three, you know what, other people come here to enjoy the food, but that doesn't have to be the best part of my trip. I'm here to enjoy being in Japan. I'm here for the experiences and I will figure out what to eat. I will eat, you know, rice and, and corn from the convenience store. <laughs> if that's what I have to do to get through for these couple of weeks. Um, I was able to eat other things. I did, you know, it took a little bit more work. Uh, but planning, mm -hmm. planning meals ahead. So even a day in advance is nice because once you're mm -hmm. hungry, you know, that bridge to hangry can, can happen fairly quickly, <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> especially if you're traveling with a group, right? Uh, you know, I wanted wow. to be kind of conscious of other people's needs also. So, uh, we, we planned out, uh, in advance what, mm -hmm. um, sorry, um, sorry, I was getting a phone call. Um, but I'm on do not disturb. Okay. We'll just cut that part. Thanks, Amy. Um, yeah. so yeah, so I planned out in advance, uh, what mm -hmm. to, yeah, where to go, you know, how to look at the menu and, uh, and kind of try to set up for success. But again, 
I I was pretty pretty flexible with going out to places and I would just you know kind of get something very kind of side or small and uh, and then I would figure it out you know I kind of I, I would I didn't want to let that ruin my trip well I was gonna say the attitude and acceptance and the willingness to do uh, to blaze forward I think is just just uh, admirable and I think that makes a huge difference and the kind of trip you're going to have because if you approach it with that sort of thing like this is going to suck this is going to be a challenge you're never going to enjoy some of the elements so what were some of the highlights of the trip for you that you can recall yeah yeah thanks it 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 is i think the mindset like you said that mindset it it leaves space for mm-hmm. you to actually enjoy things right because if you're if you're kind of obsessing about this thing that's a challenge then it, it does make it very difficult to have fun um my mm-hmm. highlights of the trip uh, so my, my friends did get married. Uh, so that was definitely a highlight. Uh, my friends originally from one of my friends are originally from Japan. So, so that's, um, the reason that we made the trip, uh, at this time. Uh, so that was definitely a, a highlight. That was really fun. Um, also just being, I spent more time outside than I typically do right now in Canada. It's, uh, very wintry. We actually had a snowstorm today. Uh, I think you did as well, Minish. So mm-hmm. we, you know, it's very snowy. It's very cold. Putting on all these layers of clothes uh, is a little bit exhausting. Mm. And and walking, even walking around with heavier boots on, with it, you know, a heavier coat on, yeah. it, it is. It's tiring. It, it's when you're deconditioned and you, um, you know, have less energy, small things like that, that I would never have appreciated before do make a difference. Um, so mm-hmm. because it, it was a little bit more of a moderate temperature there, I was able to spend a little bit more time outside. Um, and uh, like I said, I, I actually was better in Japan than I was mm-hmm. uh, here. And I've spent a lot of time thinking about why, why was I better in Japan? You know, why, why did I improve while Mm -hmm. I was away? And I think it comes down to, um, I think it comes down to nervous system regulation and, and emotions. So in Japan, Mm -hmm. I was, uh, had a lot more to look forward to, you know, I mean, I feel like my everyday Mm -hmm. life right now is, is pretty all right, considering I have long COVID. Um, but in Japan, it was new experiences and I did a really, really good job of planning in a lot of rest and taking rest. And um, and my husband and I had a conversation beforehand. Like I told him and I was like pretty, you know, tough love about it. And I said, like, I need to take rest days probably every other day. And I don't want you laying around the hotel room with me. Like, I want you to go out and have fun. And and he kind of at first resisted and he was like, no, you know, I don't want to have fun without you. And I said, no, like you have to go out. You have to enjoy your trip. The the trip's not all about me. It's, you know, it's about each of our experiences and I can actually rest better knowing that you're going out and having fun uh, because he does not have the same energy limitations that I do. So, Mm -hmm. you know, he, he doesn't benefit from (laughs) laying around all day. Um, So, so it was great. Uh, We had, I had that tough love talk. He was able to go out. He had lots of fun. He did things that, um, you know, I chose not to do, or I didn't want to do, or, you know, to be more realistic about it, could not do, um, with, mm-hmm. with other friends or by himself. And, and then I stayed in, I rested, I watched movies, I journaled, I, you know, did other things That's that really awesome. helped with rest. Yeah. Yeah. 
That's a very important point because I, I, my wife has a chronic illness and and other folks I know who have chronic illnesses, they, they have this, and it's kind of weird. um, uh, People who have chronic illnesses, when they plan a vacation, they get excited about it. They look forward to it, some elements of, but they fear the journey over there. That's typically what it is. Once they're there, there's a sense of relief and you don't have the same responsibilities at home. You don't have the same pressures at home. So it actually becomes a very enjoyable thing if you have that perspective. And you said the key thing too that I've heard from other folks. If you you don't want to feel guilty holding somebody back and you get a better quality of rest knowing that they're out there and you don't have to stress about yet another thing. So very powerful uh, stuff there. But we've talked about the attitude, the journey, some of the tips along the way. Is there anything else that would be of value to share with people that made this trip better than what you would have anticipated? Yeah, I think, I think it's, um, I think the biggest thing is accepting where you are, like radical, I like to call it radical acceptance. Mm-hmm. I've heard that term before, uh, used in it with different things, but just fully accepting where you are with your, with your disease and, and all mm-hmm. of the ups and downs that come with it. Um, but kind of by accepting it, then um, mm-hmm. I was, at least for me, and I think this is true for other people as well, by fully, fully accepting where you are right now, you can mm-hmm. say, okay, this is what I need to do to stay within my energy envelope. This is what I need to do to um, stay healthy and make the most of my trip. You know, I'm not going to eat these foods because I know that will make me feel worse. I know I have to prioritize sleep every single day. Um, you know, I know that I can't, you know, go out all day and like I typically would have prior to long COVID. Before that, you know, I was a pretty adventurous person. I would spend the entire, you know, day and night out, uh, you know, exploring a city. But now it's a different trip. And and that's okay if you can accept where you are and and make it fun and enjoyable within, you know, within that new energy envelope, within your limitations. And so I think that is the first step to having a really successful and a really enjoyable um, travel. And just out of curiosity, is there anything you would have done differently now that you're you're back and and you could reflect a bit uh, differently on it? Yeah, yeah, good question. I think I would have uh, planned a little bit better. I would have brought more snacks like from Canada mm-hmm to Japan, you know, protein bars or something. Um, Mm -hmm. I would have uh, prepared better meals for the plane. I I did plan for the plane ride back, but for the Mm -hmm. plane ride from Toronto to Tokyo, I would have um, prepared actual meals for myself. Um, And otherwise, so I planned in a lot more rest than I thought I needed, and I needed exactly that amount. Um, So, so yeah, so, so I think that's one thing that I'm very thankful for. And then, you know, the next time I travel, whenever that will be, I'll actually plan even a little bit more rest. Um, because then it, it feels less, you know, I feel less anxious about it. It's easier Mm -hmm. to make plans. Okay. How about we go to the coffee shop together today? Mm -hmm. You know, I'm feeling actually okay. Rather than trying to cancel and pare down, um, what, what I had expected to do. So that would be one other thing. Um, yeah. And I, I did plan, you know, a couple rest days after each flight, uh, which was hugely helpful. Now, and that's what I've heard from other folks that it's about planning the rest and then fitting in everything around it. And it Mm -hmm. tend to work better. And, and and I never asked about this, but I should have asked it earlier, but, um, 
on the flight or even during travel when you're outside of a plane, um, you're in a different world, different, uh, there's different sounds and things. Did you use any types of aids like noise cancelling headphones, for example, people have them on planes to help calm the nervous system and to keep out that those noises that can just kind of pierce you a bit differently. Um, or people use sedatives on certain types of uh, parts of their journey. That did you use any additional aids other than that? Yeah, other so than, I, I did uh, use whatever it is. You noise. Mean. Yeah, so I did use noise canceling headphones. Um, mm -hmm. My husband actually has better quality noise canceling headphones, so I actually considered getting those because we were sitting behind a baby. Um, unfortunately, on the way there. So I mean, they can't yeah. help it. They're doing the best they can. And, and and I was awake a lot because of it. I, I really only got an hour of sleep um, because a baby was having poor baby was having a tough time. Um, yeah. But I, I would have gotten better quality uh, sound sound noise canceling headphones. Um, mm -hmm. I had that. I had a, a, a eye mask uh, to help sleep. I I take melatonin mm. for sleep. I don't take any more. Yeah. I don't take a sedative specifically, but. Um, that and and then just dressing, you know, very comfortably. I think a lot of us with long COVID and, and a lot of people with chronic disease in general, um, wearing uncomfortable mm -hmm. clothes can actually take up more energy. Being uncomfortable, you know, if you think of the four P's, yeah. pace, prioritize. But positioning is one. So wearing comfortable clothes is uh, very important. So um, that would be one of the tips I'd have. Yeah, and, you know, I'm just pulling up the thing. It's planning, pacing, positioning, and prioritizing. Those are the four ah, P's you. that you're referring to. With brain fog, we, you know, you can forget a lot of tips and that. Did you use any, you, you had your husband there as your planning aid as well and there to help remind you. But I think another important thing is actually to share your plans with those that you're traveling with so they can help you as well. Yeah, absolutely. That's a really and, great point. Um, so we're going to take some of the tips that you've got here. We're going to put them together and put them inside the community. So people can go to the community, go to, to living uh, with COVID um, or, or living with the new you rather, and learn a bit of, and to get your tips on what you did for travel. And we'd love to hear more of anybody else's tips that made travel more accessible as a long hauler. So uh, Ash, I got to thank you for your time in that. We're coming up to, to our time here. Um, but do you have any final thoughts at all? Uh, uh, no, I, I think the biggest one is, uh, is accept where you are, just plan within, plan within, you know, your limitations, your energy envelope and plan in a lot of rest, mm -hmm. more rest than you expect. Um, and, and, and make the most of yeah. it, you know, it's, it's accepting where you are and, and learning to live your life um, with, within that Great tips. Thank you ever so much. And if you're looking to travel and you're still not sure about it, take baby steps, maybe make a day trip, do a, uh, do a, a, an overnighter here and then, then make it a staycation for two or three nights and then get up to the bigger trips. It'll help. And you just have to learn how to do this stuff. Everyone's a bit different, but that's what the community's there for help. Let's talk and we'll see, we'll find ways to help you. Yeah, absolutely. And it, and small trips mm -hmm. build confidence too, right? Awesome. Yeah. Yeah. Thanks so much for uh, the time today. Manish. This is great. Take care, everybody. Thanks for joining us for this episode of The Long Haulers, the official podcast of the post-COVID support community. We hope you enjoyed this episode and that it'll help you take a step toward leading a healthier, happier, and more productive life. 
Take charge of your recovery at postcovidcommunity.com, where you can learn more about membership benefits and join our newsletter to get the latest information and tips from our network of specialized healthcare professionals. And don't forget to follow us on YouTube and your favorite social platforms at Long Hauler Life. Please share this episode with other long haulers in need of assistance. Take care. Take care.